0: Well, good morning, everybody. morning. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, we are glad to worship with you today. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. We believe that's true. We believe that the Lord meets us here as we gather together to worship him.
1: Pray with me this morning. Lord, um, we are thankful for this morning. We're thankful for this beautiful day you've given us. The sun is shining and life is just moving along. And we, we are so thankful for every blessing that comes with that. Many of us are here this morning in your presence in this house. Many of us are in your presence as we watch online, Lord. But this morning, Lord, I'm reminded of people who are hurting in our country and in our world. Lord, this has been a rough week in the United States. And uh, there are families, Lord, that received a knock on their door this week that they never wanted to get. But Father, we know that you are there with them you're with each family member you are each, with each brother in arms as they grieve and as they mourn the loss that happened in afghanistan this week we can't explain it we can't understand it we don't like it but lord that doesn't mean that you aren't in it and you aren't working with it and through it and you aren't working on it so father we we just ask that you would give peace and comfort that you would give your presence to each and every person that is hurting this morning, whether they're connected to Afghanistan, whether they just have experienced loss, Lord. It's been a rough week. And Lord, for the folks in Haiti who've experienced this earthquake, Lord, they haven't even recovered from the last two natural disasters that have hit that island, and here they are once again, devastated. Father, we know that your church, not just the Church of the Nazarene, but your church, Universal, is in there and working on your behalf, bringing relief and bringing comfort and bringing aid to the people. But, Lord, they need you to do this. They need your comfort. They need your presence. They need your Holy Spirit, Lord, in a way that they haven't needed you before. And so, Father, we just pray for a mighty miracle in in getting the things to them that that the people need Lord, the fresh water, the food, the clothing, the, the basic items that it takes just to live, just to live. Father, continue to work through your church, through your people, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what denomination they are, what church they're a part of, Lord. Use your people in a mighty way in Haiti. And then, Father, I just, I thank you for each person here, for each care and concern that they may have brought in here with them, for each victory and rejoicing that they bring in here with them, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. And we ask that you would continue to bless our time this morning. Bless Pastor Rich as he brings us the message this morning. Lord, I know you've given him a good word. We can trust you in that. So give us hearts to that are open to learning and give us ears that are open to hearing what it is you have to say to us. And in all these things, Lord, we do give you the glory in the good things and the bad things and the easy things and the hard things in the living and in the dying, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory forever and ever. We pray these in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. We're still going to wave, so wave at each other as Pastor Rich comes up, and um, yeah, keep, wave, keep waving, and you can have a seat as you're doing so.
0: Oh, man. Oh, I'm so looking forward to being able to go around, hug each other, and all that good stuff again, um, but yeah, we're not in that place right now, are we? So, hey, thank you, Spellbars, for uh, leading us musically this morning. We so much appreciate you guys using your gifts and sharing those with us. Um, I was glad to hear that Anna Lee is doing well as classes have gotten started down at Ball State and, and uh, things are good. Uh, <clears throat> wait, what did I just say? I said Ball State, didn't I? I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Purdue, sorry. Naming the wrong university, okay. Uh, if you're watching, I'm, I'm so sorry. All right. Uh, Before we dive into the message, just wanted to remind you that uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out the... uh that little digital connect card, let us know you're with us today. Um, tell me what your favorite college is or, you know, how wrong that was to, to do that just now. Uh, share with us uh, how we can be praying for you, thanking God with you, anything of the sort. Uh, and, of course, you can go to livinghope.info slash give to, to give online. And uh, while you're there, you can hit that little drop down and make a gift to Habitat for Humanity because we are partnering with Habitat once again to build a house. Uh, I, I just pointed out to Stacy the other day as we drove by. I was like, oh, it's just down that road is where we're going to be building a house uh, for Habitat this, this fall and so if you want to give toward that you can give to that help us get that full six thousand dollar match uh you can sign up if you go to livinghope.info slash habitat there are links right there for the september date or the october date there's a friday there's a saturday and you can rsvp saying yeah i want to help build a house on that day and uh, i'm looking forward to that i was just talking with my boys about it uh, about how once probably not on those two dates because you know my boys are five and they're not going to be picking up you know a saw or hammer or anything we don't want them to anyway and uh you know, but, but I'm told that as it progresses and as the house gets closed up, there are jobs that the whole family can do together and cleaning things up and vacuuming up the sawdust and all those good things. So if you want to help uh, to build that house or if you want to help give so that the house can be built, uh, you can do that, again, uh, by giving online. Or those of you in the room here today, uh, obviously there's a little offering box there in the back. Those little green cards, you can fill that out instead, like a physical Connect card instead of a digital one, and uh, let us know you're with us. And if you're giving today, you can do that. You can write Habitat in the memo line of a check or on an envelope, uh, anything like that. We' would be happy to make sure that gets to the right place and uh, and if you are if you do have one of these little things with you then you'll see on the front of that that this Friday September 3rd it says South Bend Cubs game and um, so there is a group of folks from the church that are going to go out just just for fun going to go watch the, the Cubs the South Bend Cubs play in South Bend and if you want to do that Pastor Judy needs to know that today so if you can catch her after the service and say oh you know what I, w- I want to go I think tickets are about eight bucks or something um, but uh, you don't have to have the $8 with you today. She just needs to make sure she knows that you're going, and then you can get the money to her later. But, um, but anyway, that's happening Friday. Youth groups happening on Wednesday. Uh, small groups happen in different times. Uh, so if you want more information about any of that stuff, ask away. Put that on that, on that little card, and we'd love, to, uh, we'd love to get information to you. All right. Uh, <clears throat> pop quiz real quick as we get the service started. Uh, who, who made the world? Who created the world? Anybody? God, yeah, that's a real easy one, right? Right there at the beginning of the book, you know, God so loved, God created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I skip into the next one. Who loves the world is what I was going to ask next. Yeah, God, for God so loved the world, you know, gave us one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, have eternal life. Uh, who run the world? Girls, exactly. Beyonce <laughs> taught us that 10 years ago. All right. That was the, that was the trick question in the, in the quiz. But anyway, uh, I've been thinking about, you know, the fact that, you know, we live in this world that God has given us, and we live as human beings, physical human beings in the bodies that God has given us, Uh, anytime, you know, you get sick or you get tired or anything like that, you become aware of just how impacted we are by the fact that we are whole beings, That, that we're not just, I heard somebody describe it like brains on a stick, you know, we're not just thoughts, we're not just thinking beings, You know, I know that the kind of the whole Enlightenment project started with that whole I think, therefore I am. And we we think that, uh, uh, that it's our thinking that makes us who we are. And sometimes as Christians, we can kind of just live in that place where Christianity is all about just believing the right stuff or having the right information or agreeing to the right list of facts or that sort of a thing. And we forget that the Christian life and human life is is an embodied existence that involves all of who we are, much more than just our thoughts. Those are important, obviously. That's why I love every now and then doing those, those message series, tackling our questions, big questions that we have. It's a good thing to love God with our minds like that. But we also need to love God with the rest of ourselves too, right? I mean, that's what I want us to look at today from Luke chapter 10 was that moment where Luke tells us, a legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what's written in the law? How do you interpret it? He puts it back on him. You know, sometimes Jesus just answers that question. This time he puts it back on him. He responded, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, or soul, some translations, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, so he said to Jesus, and and who is my neighbor? Now you've Many of you, you're like, oh yeah, I know where this goes, right? These are the, the, the two most important commandments we just heard, right? Love God with all that you are. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or, or that word soul could be translated being, as it was in that translation. You know, with all that you are. Love God with all that you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. We've, we've been talking about this recently. We talk about this all the time, right? Because these are, these are the most important commandments. Jesus says in another place, all the law and the prophets uh, hang on these two commands. That everything God expects of us is based on these two things. It's just kind of commentary, Right? how do i love god with all that i am how do i love my neighbor as myself as you get into the details like okay well that's that's what the rest of the law is is trying to spell out for us so this legal experts trying to trying to say okay wait a minute so who is my neighbor exactly i gotta love my neighbor who who is that and this is a fairly familiar story if you've been in church you've heard the story of the good samaritan at some point jesus says a man went down from jerusalem to jericho he encountered thieves who stripped him naked beat him up and left him near death now it just so happened that a priest was going down the same road when he saw the injured man he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way, like the opposite side, right? He didn't come close. He, he kept his distance. Uh, likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. Now, today we don't know these as well, so I'm just going to review. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I know who they are. You know, priests, obviously religious leader, worked in the temple in Jerusalem, you know, looked up to. Levites were like the assistants to those folks in the temple. You know, they came from the tribe of Levi, and way back in the story, they were given this, this honor of assisting in, in the temple. And with the religious, these are people who are, I guess, quote-unquote, closest to God. You know, I know many of you when you think of like, oh, who, who do I know that's really close to God, you think of like religious professional folks. You know, you think of pastors, you think of, you know, popes, you think of people who are like, oh, they get to spend all their time praying or talking to God or doing that stuff. And so they must be really close to God. Well, the people who are really close to God didn't get close to the guy who was injured. And then a Samaritan comes along. Samaritans were the half-breeds. They were the people that that they were the neighbors of the people of Israel, but they had generations ago, like, intermarried with the other folks in the area, and they had not kept the pure religion that they were supposed to, and so the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. We can think of folks today that we might think, you know, we differ with them religiously, or they might be our neighbors, but we have significant disagreements with them about something, maybe it's something political, maybe it's something religious, whatever it might be. Think of that person that you think, man, if they were on the side of the road, I wouldn't even cross over to spit on them. I'm I'm keeping my distance from them distinctly. Well, this is who comes down the road next. Samaritan, who's on a journey, came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him and when I return, I'll pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. He says, you want to know what it means to love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the story that he tells. And the folks that you might have expected are the ones who you know, really love God, you know, devoted their whole life to loving God, like as a profession, professional Christians, right? <laughs> like, hmm, no. Instead, this person who was moved with compassion, who demonstrated mercy. That moved with compassion is an interesting phrase, in part because of what we've just been talking about, the fact that we uh, are embodied beings that, that uh, need to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. Um, I, I've heard pastors make a big deal out of this. I don't know if you really should make a big deal out of it, but that word for compassion is, is a Greek word that it makes reference to, like your guts, your bowels, actually, because they felt like that was the seat of your emotions. They didn't talk then about your emotions coming from your heart, which even that's weird, right? We know our hearts aren't where our emotions come from. Our hearts are like a muscle pumping blood and all that good stuff, right? Uh, and so our emotions like don't necessarily come from there. But you know, if you study emotions, you study who we are as beings, our emotions are like a physical thing. They are tied to our, our bodies. So they talked about your, your bowels being like the seat of your emotions. So he was moved with, he had a bowel movement, basically, all right? This, uh, this person did. Sorry, couldn't help myself, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> he was moved with compassion. He listened to his body, is what he did. He listened to his body. He allowed that compassion to motivate him to care about this human being that was in front of him. I think that's something that sometimes we miss. That's something that I miss sometimes, okay? We don't always listen to our bodies. We don't, that's sometimes why I get sick. I don't listen to my body. It's telling me I need to rest, and I'm like, no, 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 I just wanna stay up a couple hours more. I wanna finish this, I wanna do this, I need to, and I don't listen to my body, and then I wear down, and then I get sick, right? We don't do a good job always of listening to our bodies in those moments where we are moved with compassion, where we are moved to care, and we think, no, no, I've got someplace I've got to be, I've got something else going on, and we don't listen to those nudges. That could be the Holy Spirit trying to nudge us toward an opportunity to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be a neighbor to someone who is not considering us a neighbor. You know, this Samaritan, you know, he was not welcomed. <laughs> it could be that even if that person lying there was like conscious or like able to resist might have said like, no, no, I don't want your help. You stay away. But this Samaritan's moved with compassion and he, and he helps. And Jesus uses that as an example, as a way to demonstrate who we are to be. Someone who listens to their body is, allows themselves to be moved by compassion to serve. It wasn't that the Samaritan, as far as we know from the story, it's not like the Samaritan was sitting there and thinking like, oh, you know what, the most important commands, love God with all that I am, love my neighbor as myself, here's a neighbor, I better love him. It wasn't like an intellectual exercise, right? He wasn't doing this in obedience to some law. He was moved with compassion, and he served. And Jesus said, that's, and that's what it looks like. If we do this, we will live. <laughs> that's what he told the legal expert. There's a similar kind of a moment um, it, this, is, this is from Luke's Gospel, right? At the end of Luke's Gospel, after he has told the whole story about Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, which, boy, I'll come back to that, sorry. He, he talks about the disciples meeting the resurrected Jesus, who's alive again on the other side, having conquered sin and death. And there's a story in Luke 24 of these two disciples who are walking from Jerusalem to a nearby town called Emmaus. And um, as they're walking... Distraught over all that's happened over Jesus' death. They, don't, they haven't seen Jesus. They don't know that he's alive. All they know is that the Jesus they'd put their trust in was killed by the Roman authorities, and they think this whole project is over. And so they're sad, you know, as they're walking back to Emmaus, They're leaving Jerusalem. They've been there for the Passover festival, and there when it was supposed to be this great celebration of God's deliverance of his people from, from sin and slavery in, or slavery in Egypt. Now, all of a sudden, is the death of the one they thought would be the Messiah. And so they're dejected, and they're, they're walking back to Emmaus, and it says Jesus walks with them and asks, Hey, what are you talking about? Like, oh, have you not heard about what happened in Jerusalem? And they tell them about, about Jesus and how he died, and they don't recognize who Jesus is. And Jesus talks to them and says, Wait, do you guys not understand? This, this had to happen. And it says he, he goes back to the, to the scriptures and explains to them that, that this had to happen to the Messiah, that he had to conquer sin and death and had to face rejection and had to go through it all. And they get to the town where they're going, and Jesus makes it as if he's going to keep going. And they're like, no, 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 stay with us, stay with us. And so they sit down at the table. And that's the part that I put there in your notes from Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. (laughs) The Resurrected Jesus is always doing goofy stuff like that. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? These are disciples that they walked and talked with Jesus, perhaps for hours. It says it's a seven-mile walk uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They, they walked and talked with Jesus for who knows how long, and their hearts were burning within them, but evidently they didn't listen to that. They had this intuitive sense, right, that something was happening here, that there's, there's something to this conversation, but they didn't recognize Jesus until they sat down at a table and ate bread with him and broke bread with him, and then they recognized, ah, this is Jesus. Do we miss Jesus in our lives sometimes because we're not listening to our hearts burning within us? Do we miss Jesus' presence in our lives sometimes if, if we just live in our heads and we don't allow our heart, soul, strength to engage? If we don't approach God and our relationship with him as whole-bodied beings, as people that God, the way God created us, right? Right? God didn't create us as just, like, souls in bodies. You know, we're not just, we don't just have these bodies for a little while and then like, oh, but we can't wait to be done with this body and then I'll get to move on and just float around for eternity. No, what the Bible says is that we all will experience this resurrection like Jesus did. That, that we all will live, yes, there'll be transformed bodies, but that the ultimate goal for us is not some disembodied, you know, spirits floating around on clouds somewhere, That ultimately what's going to happen is resurrection, transformation. And just like Jesus rose from death, I mean, he's the the first fruit, the Bible describes it. Like like what Jesus is like points us toward what God wants for all of us. And that's sorry, that's where I started to go a moment ago: that Jesus dies on a cross, rises again. Jesus comes to us as a human being, experiencing the same kinds of limitations that we do. Jesus got tired, Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to make time to get away from the crowds and to get alone with his heavenly father, to reconnect, to make sure he, he stayed in touch with what God wanted him to do. Jesus had to pay attention to all that, that he was. He, he grew as a human being, right? I think Luke chapter two, I think it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and men. I mean, Jesus experienced growth in his life. And he was a human being. So if, if God, in, in revealing himself to us, if God, the ultimate revelation of God to us is to come to us as a human being in Jesus, then I think it's okay for us to acknowledge our humanity. To acknowledge that we are, you know, heart, soul, mind, strength. To not just pretend that we're just spiritual beings and like to deny the physicality of who we are. It's okay for us to Accept our limitations. I mean, God knows who we are. He made us as we are. That's one reason why he he gave commands to his people from thousands of years ago to rest, (laughs) right? That's why he focused on making sure they had times of rest, times of celebration, times of feasting, times of togetherness, because he knows that's what we need as human beings. But so many times we get stuck just kind of in one aspect of who we are, and we we miss out i think on on all that God wants us to experience there's um, there 's an author um, i 've just started to read her book. i listened to an interview with her recently um, named Mandy Smith that uh, she wrote a book called unfettered and uh, and so i 've got some some questions here in just a moment that we 're going to reflect on that, that she gives us but um, But she thinks one of the things that would help us, what, what she found for her own life that was one of the keys to help her kind of reconnect with all this was what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. Where we see, and I've got it there in your notes, where Luke tells us that people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. She feels like the key, maybe, to reorienting our approach is to remember what Jesus said here. That if we want to receive the kingdom, if we want to enter the kingdom of God, if we want to experience eternal life, which is what the legal expert was asking about, if we want to experience the, the, the full life that Jesus wants us to experience, that God created us for, that maybe we need to listen to what Jesus says here, that if we will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, we'll never enter it. Now, <clears throat> what on earth does that mean? You know, and this isn't the only moment that Jesus, there are other moments in Jesus' ministry where he, he pulls a small child in, tells the disciples, you've got to be, like be like a child. And I know sometimes we hear that and we think, well, we don't, but we don't want to be childish, right? I mean, kids are pretty awful sometimes, right? I mean, they... They're they're selfish. They they just want what they want. They you know we've got twin five year olds. We see the ugly side quite a bit um, as they hit each other or try to, you know get angry because the brother's not sharing with them or whatever it might be. There's moments of beauty and joy too, of course. But you know there are there are those other moments. And you know just last week we're talking about growing up as the body of Christ and becoming mature and and you know so sometimes we see kids and we think. But they're so immature, and we don't want to be immature, right? We want to grow up. We don't want to be infants forever. We want to, you know, grow up, become mature, and reflect Christ well to the world. Yes, yeah, you know, obviously, kids have lots of growing to do, and and we don't want to be childish. But but some of us maybe have gotten too adult-ish. Right? We've 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 like thought that we can control everything, you know, we we. We worry about being childish, but we don't worry about being adultish. There's problems with being adultish. You know, we can, we can, we can think that we're in charge. We can, we can get used to saying, like, um, well, we can kind of divide ourselves up, like we were just talking about, like not listening to our bodies and just listening to our brains, or, or vice versa. Sometimes it's the, sometimes we have the opposite problem. We listen to our bodies, and what our bodies want, we're not listening to our brains. Where kids typically still, you know, they're still learning and so they're still learning how their bodies work and, and experimenting and they're open to outside influence they're open to being taught they're open to discovering new things trying new things we adults can get so set in our ways that we think we know how it's supposed to be and how it's going to be we've got the whole world figured out and we're not necessarily open to god doing something different you know, the disciples here thought they knew how jesus was supposed to minister right and that these kids were a distraction but here Jesus was wanting to bless these children and rebukes his disciples like, whoa, oh, you guys don't understand what I'm about here. Let me go ahead. Let me, let me touch these children. Let me place my hands on them. Let me, let me bless them. We adults can, can miss things because we're not open to, to different things that God wants to do than what we're expecting. Um, <clears throat> this, this story in Luke chapter 18 is surrounded by two stories of I guess, adultish behavior, perhaps. Right before this story is a story that I love, where Jesus describes these two people going to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee stands and prays about himself. Jesus says about how amazing he is and all the good things he does and how he fasts and gives and is generous and isn't a dirty, rotten sinner like that tax collector over there. And Jesus says the tax collector stands at a distance and won't even lift his eyes to heaven, but just beats his chest and says, God, please have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, that's the guy that went home justified before God. That's the prayer that God wanted to hear. The person who was aware of his need, who was open to God's mercy, not the person who was so adultish that he thought he had it all figured out and everything together. And right after this story, the very next words, after Jesus saying, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it, In Luke's gospel, he says, then a rich man approached Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? And it's kind of like the story we'd read earlier. And in this case, Jesus points him back again to the law and what God has said already. And the guy's like, yeah, I've done all that. Anything else? He's like, I've checked all the boxes. I've done all the right stuff. So I'm good. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know, you are missing one thing. Go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come and follow me. And says the man went away sad because he had many possessions. He wasn't willing to part with them. He had already built his life. He was an adult. (laughs) He had built his life. He had accumulated his wealth. He knew what he, you know, was planning to do with all of that, and it didn't include Jesus coming and telling him to do something different with it. And so he wasn't open to, to listening to Jesus, to following Jesus to doing what Jesus was calling him to do. Perhaps we need to be like kids. Perhaps we need to be open to God doing something surprising. Perhaps we need to be open to God speaking to us in ways that we haven't been paying attention to him before. Uh, This same author, uh, as I was kind of exploring her book and her ideas and everything, I realized, like, uh, on her website, there's... uh, Any of you guys use the the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app on your phones or on your computers or that kind of thing? It's a great little way to read the Bible, and there's all kinds of reading plans in there, and they give you a little verse of the day. It's a great way to make sure you're getting Scripture into your mind, into your heart. You can hit the little button and have it read it to you. Uh, You know, you can listen to it as you you walk or wash dishes or drive or whatever. Um, But they also have these little daily reading plans, and this author has one. Five days of sensing God. And each day is a different one of our five senses. Um, oh man, what are the five senses? You got your, your touch, and you got your smell, you got your sight, you got your hearing, taste. You have those five senses. And looks at a different section of scripture that describes that sense uh, and describes ways that we might connect with God and, and sense God, even, even like in physical ways. How God might embrace us, you know, how God might touch our lives, how we might see God at work. I wonder, are we living the life God wants us to live? You know, are we living this? I put, a, I put a silly thing at the top of the notes for a title. I, to, I, I set myself up to have to pick a title every Sunday, and, and full-bodied is what I wrote there. I was thinking, yeah, last week I was talking about the, the body of Christ and that. You know, full-bodied, well, that's not what full-bodied means. Full-bodied is like, oh, like it's got a, a rich flavor or something like that. You know, like this drink is, is full-bodied or it's this aroma, whatever. Um <clears throat> And, you know, what I was meaning by it was like, oh, we want to live like all of who we are, including our bodies, including all of that. But then I thought, well, you know what? No, it's a full-bodied existence. It's, it's the life that is all the fullness of what God created us for. I don't want us to miss out on part of what God wants for us, for me or for you. And so I know that I'm kind of wired to live in my head, Right? And so, that, again, that's why I love doing the, the questions and those kinds of conversations and all that stuff. So perhaps this is more for me than for you. And maybe you're out there today and thinking like, great, Rich, I just had to listen to you work through some stuff for you, but I, you know, I already got this. Uh, I already do a good job of connecting with God uh, in all those different ways. Um, good, I'm grateful. But for those of you who might be more like me, I wanted, wanted us to, to think about this a little bit today. All right, To allow ourselves to be moved with compassion, to to listen when our hearts are burning within us, to allow God to surprise us um, and to to change us, to, to continue to shape the way that we view ourselves and the world, to be open to guidance, to be open to learning like a child, to not be so adultish that we don't let God do something new. So some questions for reflection uh, that that author uh, shared that I wanted to share with you because they were helping me to think this past week. Uh, what are they, what, like five questions here? What might it look like to set aside our ideas of how God should behave? Thinking about those disciples, right? They knew how Jesus should behave; shouldn't be bothered with these babies, right? What might it look like to set aside our ideas of how God should behave and reveal Himself? And be open to what God is actually doing in the world and in our lives. What's one practical way to step toward that? These aren't questions, you know, I'm answering for you. These are questions for you to think about and for me to think about this week. What's one practical way that I can step toward that? Setting aside my ideas of how God ought to behave and reveal himself and being open to what God's actually doing in the world and in my life. What kind of input from god do you trust most words and rational thought instincts emotions sensory experiences what could you do to stretch your capacity to receive input from god with new parts of yourself interesting question I'm, i'm interested to explore that a little bit more personally you know i'm real open to god you know, the, the words and rational thought bit, you know, but sometimes we can, we can be taught perhaps to be distrustful of our emotions, our instincts. What could we do? What could you do to stretch your capacity to receive input from God with new parts of yourself? I just, um, just yesterday maybe, uh, a friend of mine on Facebook, he's a retired pastor, lives in another part of the and he just, he just shared a, a, an interesting experience he had as he was walking through the woods. And he, it just was one of those like kind of mind-expanding experiences that he had where he was looking at a tree and he was looking at the variety of trees and thinking, how amazing God must be that he's, you know, created the world with so much variety. And then that got him thinking about human beings and how different we all are and, and how it must thrill God to be so creative and, and to be involved in all of our lives. And it's one of those moments, I don't know if you've had one, I've, I know I've had those moments before where it's just like all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed by the enormity of it all and how amazing God is. That was a moment of him stretching his capacity, receiving input from God as he was just enjoying a walk through the woods and the, and the sight of the variety of the trees. How might you be missing the Jesus who is walking right beside you just as the disciples did on the road to Emmaus? Sometimes we, um, <clears throat> we can feel like God's not there. We can feel like God is absent and the reality is he is walking right with us and we're just missing him you know how might we be missing jesus walking right beside us because he's not showing up in the way that we expect or in the way that we want him to because we're ignoring our heart burning within us because we're not being honest about our experiences what we're going through man i I bet some of the time that's just it right there, is that we're just not being honest. And God desires honesty. He meets us in reality, not in some fantasy land where we pretend everything's fine, and what we really need to be doing is crying out to God in frustration, in lament, crying out for help. And instead, we're just pretending everything's great, telling ourselves it's fine. How might we be missing the Jesus who's walking right beside us, just like those disciples did? How can you live this week knowing that Jesus can show himself in our bodily experiences, like he did when the disciples ate, and in our emotional and instinctual experiences, like when the disciples' hearts were burning? How can you live this week knowing Jesus can show himself in perhaps different ways? And the last question is one that I feel like um, maybe I've asked more often. How is God already working in your world and inviting you to pay attention And join him. The different part of that one for me this week is the pay attention part. You know, maybe I need to pay attention to my guts. (laughs) Maybe I need to pay attention to my heart burning within me. Maybe I need to pay attention in a way that I'm not normally paying attention to God. That I'm not normally listening for God to speak or for God to move. How is God already working in your world and inviting you to pay attention and join him? And God meets us in reality. It's what he's done for us in Jesus and what he's still doing today. Jesus is alive. He is present with us. He is at work in the world and we have the opportunity to join him in that work. We have the opportunity to notice and to be aware and to partner with him, to, to, be, to live in the world as the body of Christ that we talked about last week to to not just think right thoughts or believe right things but for all of who we are to reflect God's goodness, God's grace, God's love. To live in this world as his kids. So will we pay attention? Will we see the ways that God is at work? Will we join him in that work? Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us right here where we live. Thank you for making us the, the wild and complex beings that we are. Mind, heart, soul, strength, you know, head, heart, hands, however we want to divide ourselves up, God. We are complex beings, and you have made us this way. You created us this way. You created this world and called it good. So God, would you help us this week to pay attention to you in all the ways that you meet us in our humanity. As we do this, God, as we are more open to you, as we're paying attention to you, God, we we don't want to miss you. And I, I believe that we will do a better job as we pay attention we'll do a better job of actually hearing you and being led by you. We won't miss those opportunities as many of those opportunities to love our neighbors and to love you with all that we are. God, we are in a world, as we mentioned earlier, um, that is filled with pain, filled with grief, filled with need. God, we see those needs reflected here in our own church as we grieve the loss of loved ones, as, as we uh, navigate sicknesses and disappointments and all the different parts of life, God. We see the needs, and God, we are surrounded by needs. Thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to be a part of your work in the world, meeting those needs, sharing compassion, sharing resources, Helping to to build a house for a family that needs a house. Helping to provide shelter for people who need emergency shelter. Uh, Providing bikes and transportation for, for people who need bikes, God. All the different ways that we get to partner together as a church and all the different ways that you work through us as individuals all week long. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us right where we are. Thank you that out of love for us, you came to us and met us in your Son Jesus Christ here in our humanity. You took our brokenness on yourself. You, out of love for us, you were open to us rejecting you and putting you to death, Lord Jesus. We did the worst that we could do. Um, The most unthinkable sin that we could commit against you, Lord God, we did. And in the midst of our horrific sin, Lord Jesus, you prayed for forgiveness for us. You extended grace and mercy. And in your death, you have met all of us who go through the worst of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to us right here in the mess of our reality, for taking on the worst of our sin, and by your love and grace, defeating the powers of sin and death. Thank you, God, for raising Jesus from death. Thank you that today we The power of sin can be broken in our own lives. And we can experience this wonderful liberation, this wonderful freedom from sin, from fear. We can live in this amazing new life with you. The God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who is with us right here. Thank you that we get to celebrate this in this sacrament of communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice, simple gifts we pray that by your spirit's presence here we might meet our crucified and risen savior in his body and in his blood remembering that you meet us here in our humanity remembering your sacrifice your love your victory thank you god we offer you ourselves today confessing our need of your grace and mercy admitting the ways that we have ignored parts of who we are, admitting the ways that we have not loved you with all that we are and loved our neighbors as ourselves. God, we need your mercy and your grace today. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that as we live in this world, we might do so as the people you created us to be, as your sons and daughters, as the body of Christ animated, guided by your Holy Spirit, alive within us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love, for being so rich in mercy, for your kindness and patience. Thank you for your ongoing work that transforms us day to day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Because I've still got a little tickle in my throat, I've asked Pastor Judy if she would be the one to to, uh, extend the elements to you today. Uh, if you would like, as we sing this song, we're going to celebrate communion together. If you're uh, joining us online, you can gather together elements of bread and juice or the closest equivalent. Uh, Pastor Judy will be right here with a basket with pieces of bread and uh, gluten-free wafers and a little, the little uh, individually wrapped cups. But if you would like to celebrate, uh, the invitation is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus. You're invited as we sing to come forward, take bread from the basket dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Or if you grab one of the little individual cups, uh, either from the basket or from your tables, as we sing, you're invited to, to open those and, and receive the bread and receive the juice. We're going to celebrate in a tangible, touchable way um, that, that uh, God meets us here uh, in the human being called Jesus and that his love has been shared with us in, in the reality that we live in. Let's celebrate. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for inviting us to trust you and to find in you the love, the grace, the hope that we need. Would you fill us with the spirit of Christ today that we might live as your kids, as the body of Christ in the world that you send us into. Thank you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.